Welcome to the Next Trip Podcast with Doug and Drew. This is an aviation and travel podcast covering current topics and trip reviews with multiple course deviations on our route. All thoughts and opinions are our own. Welcome to Boarding Pass 33, everyone. This is Drew and I'm here with Doug. We're two av geeks and aviation professionals creating a safe space for other av geeks and travel enthusiasts to obsess about all things aviation. Good day, everyone. We hope this episode finds you safe, healthy, and in good spirits. We're one week closer to this crisis being over, and we're staying positive and aviation tough. Yeah, Doug, just when we think things are on an uptrend and <laughs> things are going well, we have weeks or months like this. It's been a crazy week, lots of ups and downs, unfortunately more downs than ups, I would say. Uh, data coming from uh, pharmaceutical companies is showing promising signs though, right? Uh, it's still early, so we need to temper our expectations, but any news like this is good news at this point. Yeah, I, I know our listeners are probably laughing that I'm trying to point out the good and, and the bad right now. But I, I mean, in, in this day and age, you kind of have to look for those good nuggets because otherwise you're just going to drive yourself crazy with all the negative news. So, well, yeah, Francis in uh, Albany would be like, he should have just said next. Next, yeah. Instead of trying to spin it. <laughs> well, it's crazy because <laughs> in any other year, if we had a comet passing by Earth that was visible with the naked eye, that's yeah. all Twitter, social media, everyone would be talking about. Right. I, I, I yeah. don't know how many of no. you know that there's a comet that's visible right now. I, I found it. I did not know that until you told me. Yeah, I found it just in some little snippet in an article somewhere. So I, I went out and watched it this morning before sunrise. Drove I get out to the, see these pictures. I, I need to edit those. I, I was busy getting ready for our show. Yeah, <laughs> I, I need to. Uh, I, brought, I brought a little camping chair and I just sat out. I found like a cornfield with a dirt road next to it and just sat out and watched the comet for a while. Took some yeah. pictures. Anything else good happen this week? No, not really. <laughs> well, I, well, no, actually, Regular I take that work. back. No, my, uh, my one-year-old walked yesterday for the first time. Oh, wow. That's pretty big. Yeah. How, did she, how far did she go? Like three steps. And then okay. she fell and we clapped for her and she started clapping. So then she thought that every time <laughs> she would fall, we would clap. Yeah. So she yeah. would stand up so and then positive. fall again and clap for herself. Yeah, I, my week was good. I was working. Um, one of our one of my coworkers is on vacation, so I'm working both banks because we only have two major banks right now. <laughs> so one person can work them both. And uh, we had some weather issues, and you know, I sent you little snippets of what was going on. And you guys, this is if there's a good thing from COVID is that the traffic is less. So when there's a storm right over Newark Airport, <laughs> nothing diverts. So we were fully aware, fully prepared to get eight diversions at, at Dulles because Newark had a storm right over it with 10 planes coming in. And believe it or not, they all got in. It was amazing. Yeah, WestJet so, didn't though. WestJet didn't because they were going to LaGuardia and they went all the way back to Canada or something? Yeah, they went back to Toronto. <laughs> they shot three missed approaches. Drew was all proud. He said, look, all my guys made it in. I don't know what was up with these guys. Well, I'll tell you, you know, that sounds idiotic, right? To go all the way back. But that is sometimes the right decision. Sometimes we'll get a plane over the Atlantic and it has to come back. So everyone's like, well, why doesn't it just go to Newark? You know, it just passed Newark. We don't want that because half of those people probably live in the DC area. Mm -hmm. So fly back here so they can be home instead yeah. of all those people, you know, in a, in a strange city and have to get hotels for all of them. Yeah. So. And Toronto is only an hour away. So it's, it's not like they were flying back to Calgary or, or Vancouver, something like That's that. Right. So it's, it really isn't, I, I didn't look and see if they tried again an hour later. I'm, I'm guessing they probably did, but yeah, yeah. Going well, back yeah. to Toronto is really not that big of a deal. The thing <laughs> with that though is uh, 
Toronto has the pre-clearance. So all those people had already um, gone through U.S. Customs. So yeah, when they went good. back to Toronto, well, but when they went back to Toronto, I don't know if they kept them on the plane and then tried again 20 minutes later, 30 minutes later, or if they made them get off re-in-process Canada just to then uh, have to re-out process. No, we don't. I mean, we've had um, returns on international flights. They don't, I, they just well, leave again. Yeah. Oh, I see. No, that's different. No, because they've already they've already cleared U.S. Customs. Yeah, yeah. That's not the same. Yeah. So do they do they let them off the plane, go back into Canada to re-clear into Canada just to have to re-clear U.S. Customs? So that's a oh wait, no, no, that is the same. So if we have a plane going to Zurich and it returns Mm -hmm. to field, the Europeans don't go through customs. No, we just change planes. Yeah, but that's because U.S. doesn't have customs as you depart. Canada does. When you depart uh, Canada so for the United States, you clear U.S. customs in Canada. You oh, so you're clear. wondering if they have to clear again. Well, yeah. So I'm, if they let them off the plane, they would have to re-clear back into Canada. Um, Whereas when you have a, a return, mm-hmm. it's people who, because U.S. doesn't have emigration customs. Yeah, I'll have to look at that because I think if they stay in a sterile area when they get back, I think they're okay. I okay. Have to go back yeah. Again. Yeah, it's inter- yeah, it's interesting. All all right, um, you guys, so let's, um, let's get some work done. We're going to start with a fun topic first because we have our fun sandwich, right? We have uh, the fun parts on uh, either side of it. So we did a poll, everyone, and we had um, our friend Tyler in Phoenix. He gave us a suggestion we should do a poll on what everyone's favorite alliance livery is. So the choices were a star, one world, and Sky Team. So we put out um, the poll, and this is how it came out. It came out 44% Star, One World 23, and Sky Team 33. Doug, what do you think about that? Yeah, I personally, I think that the the Sky Team is the best. I like that silver. I know you're smiling. I, I'm not choosing it based no, on... Because I know favorite. how they created it. I, you know, go ahead, because well, I, I know how they came up with it. So I think a lot of the people who voted, voted based on their favorite alliance, not necessarily yeah. the best <laughs> the best livery. Yeah, I, I think the, the, the Sky Team, so if you guys don't know, Sky Team it has a blue tail with the logo, and it's silver. The, the airplane is silver, and then it's got the, the airline's um, logo. Yeah, but what is, that little, what is that little swiggle? I can't figure now. that out. I, I've okay. been trying to figure that out for years. What, what can I tell you? Sky Team? Can I tell you what it is? Do you know? Yeah, absolutely. Well, yeah, I, I'm, this is my guess. Okay. Okay. So you know when your pen doesn't work and you're trying to get the ink out of the pen? Yeah. So then you go on a blank piece of paper and you just do little squiggles to get yeah. the pen out? So Ed Bastian or whomever was trying to think of, all right, what do we call this alliance? And his <laughs> pen wasn't working. And, so he's and they did the little squiggles. Like, oh, that's it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, everyone listening is like, that. take your pen, do squiggles. That's your Sky Team logo. Yeah. <laughs> What what are your thoughts on the One World? The One World? Um, okay, so Tyler is going to be angry when he hears this because that's his favorite livery. Tyler, it is not a livery. Just because you take British Airways, you take that sticker or that paint off and you slap One World on it, that's not a livery. That's just a title. Yeah. So I don't feel like the One World livery is a livery. It's not really. No, they keep the airline tail, they keep the airline titles, and they just put One World on it. Now, having said that, I will say when American had the One World planes, like the 777 and the 57, that was all polished metal. Yeah. Just with One World with the stripe gone, 
Now that was a livery because that was a whole different look. Yeah. I, I really do like Star's old livery though, where they, they had the different titles of the airlines all along the side of it. And they, it was like stickers it was like, on it? No, 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 no. So the original one was, um, there were what, at five or seven, I think, when they had their, their first Star Alliance livery that came out. And yeah. it was like one seventh of the airplane was painted in each of the airlines livery. <clears throat> so as you would go from oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. nose to tail, you had mm-hmm. one seventh of, of that particular airline. I thought that was really sharp looking. Yeah. But now Star has what, 30, 35 airlines. So you can't really do one thirty-fifth of an airplane in someone's livery. Wouldn't work out. Yeah. I will say Sky Team and Star have a nice uniform look where it really looks like a brand mm-hmm. and it's more about the alliance than the specific airline. Yeah. Okay, quick quiz. What are the three, see if we agree, what are the three top carriers in Star? I would say probably United, Lufthansa, and a and Okay. Yeah, I go with that. I was thinking... Um, United, Lufthansa, and Singapore, but yeah, I, I, I was thinking Singapore. Singapore always gets voted the best airline in the world, so they do have that going for them. But they have yeah. a much smaller reach. The, yeah, because if you think about the the major players in the world, from yeah. an ASM, available seat mile, yada yada yada. Have ANA, you ever flown ANA? I haven't. No. Have you ever flown Singapore? Hmm. Singapore is awesome. I've never flown ANA. I want yeah. to. I've heard really okay. good things. Yeah. Okay. One world. I believe the primaries are British Airways, American, and Cathay Pacific. Yeah, probably. Yeah. You maybe put Qantas in there. Possibly. Qantas, yeah. Yeah. And then Sky Team is easy because you just find all the previously communist countries, and that's your Sky Team. <laughs> <laughs> like, other than Delta, it's Aeroflot. <laughs> Vietnam and a handful of Chinese airlines and uh, Korean. Korean is not common, but that was the big joke when you know they had these alliances with the few av geeks that I knew. One of them was like, "Yeah, Sky Team is commies." Well, but uh, Aeroflot wasn't in Sky Team until probably 2010, 12, something like oh, that. Really? Yeah, it's okay. it's a relatively recent addition. All right, guys, we're going to start a new segment where we mention some of the aviation headlines from the past week. Of course, we'd love to talk about everything going on in these but we don't think you'd sit and talk with us for five hours so instead we'll save you that pain uh while still mentioning the biggest stories going on so here's what's happening this week in aviation JetBlue makes lex its west coast base ending long beach american and united cancel hong kong flights over mandatory crew testing that's for covid pilots were once in short supply now they're losing their jobs American tells Boeing, no financing, no 737 MAX deliveries. Breeze Airways pushing back launch until 2021. U.S. revokes Pakistani Airlines authorization over safety concerns. China's aviation industry suffers $4.9 billion loss in second quarter on coronavirus jolt. Qantas halts international service until 2021. Virgin Atlantic nears deal for $1 billion rescue. British Airways could be stripped of prized landing slots. Delta Latam file for antitrust immunity for joint venture. The Great Travel Depression, hotels, cruise lines, airlines prepare to open quarter two books. That's it for this week's wrap-up. Drew, is there a certain topic that kind of stands out to you? 
all of them, but like, again, it's going to be five hours if we go through this. One thing that I was going through this and, you know, Doug and I have day jobs, so we don't have uh, all day to research each of these items because each of these is probably a whole episode. But Doug, this whole quarantine in Hong Kong is actually working for them. So this is interesting. So that country or that uh, city has had only 1,366 cases and only seven deaths. So whatever they're doing is working, even having such a dense population. Yeah. Well, and we've talked about this before. They, they have been accepting face masks for years and years and years. And so that might have something to do with it. Oh, it has a lot to do with it. And SARS started in Hong Kong. And I, I was reading somewhere that scientists are wondering if SARS, if, if people have had SARS or other coronavirus immunity, yeah, if there's yeah. some sort of immunity. So that might have something to do with it too. And what I, right. I think what, what people don't necessarily realize is a lot of common colds are a form of coronavirus. And so researchers are trying to figure yeah. out if maybe certain common colds that people have had maybe give some level of immunity as well. Yeah. The one topic that stood out to me is the quarter two books. So Delta is the first to report this week, and then United American and a bunch of other airlines the following week. And you guys know how much I love my spreadsheets. So I, I have alerts set in my phone for when those are supposed to get released. Mm-hmm. And I, every quarter I read word for word, every single release. And there's going to be a lot of interesting, it, it's going to be awful. We know that quarter two is going to be the worst quarter for the airlines yeah. in history. But there's going to be a lot of interesting nuggets in there, breaking down how each airline is coping and we'll probably see some some tea leaves and green shoots, if you will, in there as well to see what the airline, each in particular, each airline is going to look like moving forward, moving forward. as they as they shrink in the in the short term. Yeah, um, Doug. From those new news briefs, the other thing that stood out is um, JetBlue and LAX, and it's like you wonder why they would want to enter such a highly competitive market. But you know, good on them if if you have a competitive product product you don't have to be concerned so much about that because you know people are going to fly you for the product but los angeles flyers are really lucky because they have a choice of all these carriers providing like their most competitive product to gain their business so um just looking at it real quick all the majors have a big presence there american is the biggest and everyone has over 10 percent as far as the big four JetBlue only has 2.26 which is tiny even if they double, they're only at 5%. Yeah, well, really all they're running out of there right now because Long Beach had been their focus city basically since they started the West Coast. All they're running out of LA right now is their mint product, Transcon. Yeah. So they, uh, they've they talked about increasing, uh, I think, 70 flights maybe uh, by 2025, I think is what yes. I read. Yeah, that's what they said. Yep. Yeah, so that that's a pretty pretty major presence, especially mm-hmm. considering that they're leaving Long Beach completely. Uh, yeah. I saw that they're looking to add some flights up and down the West Coast. But uh, I was reading JetBlue doesn't like to transfer people to Mint. They like Mint okay. to be O&D, so no connecting. Okay. So it, it'll be interesting to see if they change that at all with building up LA. Well, American is retreating from Los Angeles, and I think that that's more of a long-term play. They're cutting a lot of their international service. I know that United and Delta have done so too, but I think that that's just kind of an interim thing hmm. because uh, what, what American has going for them is, like we talked about back in, I think it was February, that Alaska is joining One World. So American 
has had the majority of their international service from the West Coast out of LA. And we talked about how they're adding an India flight from Seattle. They're yeah. shifting their Shanghai flight to Seattle as well. Right. Because I think that they're going to start relying on Alaska feed. So they don't necessarily need Los Angeles built up as a hub per se. But that's so weird because then they have no big presence on the West Coast. They don't have a West Coast hub per se. Well, they've got Phoenix, if, if you can call that West Coast. Yeah, but there's no flights from Phoenix to Hong Kong. Or- no, 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 no. But, but if you think about it, Los Angeles is kind of out of the way. So if you're coming, like if, if I was flying American to, say, Tokyo, mm-hmm. right now I would have to fly to Dallas and then Tokyo, or I would have to fly to Los Angeles and Tokyo, and I'm coming from NorCal. Yeah. So I'm flying right. an hour south or three hours east to then fly back to the west. Of course, right. knowing me, I would choose Dallas because I would want the longer, <laughs> the longer flight. But <laughs> m- most people are not me. Whereas if, yeah. if they shift that up to Seattle, let's yeah. say, and then they get the Alaska feed and then mm-hmm. some on their own metal, now it's a shorter uh, trans-Pacific flight. True. And people don't have to go out of their way. You're uh, without yeah. without launching out of say Anchorage. You're as far northwest as physically possible, and so you can yeah. get that whole northwest flow of people heading up there. I I, I think that's why Delta Good. built up Seattle five years yeah, ago. Yeah, that makes sense. They did. Yeah. Another episode. But do you remember when Delta was building an MD11 hub at Portland? Yeah. Yeah, that, that's yeah. where they did their Tokyo service. Yeah. Exactly. So, and then at that time, Northwest was in Seattle. Yeah, Northwest, Northwest Northwest had uh, a Tokyo flight, and they may have had an Amsterdam flight as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm sure they had London. United was too. United flew I Seattle, Tokyo. I, I remember yeah. seeing United seven fours there when I was a kid. Yeah, I know. Um, yeah, I know. For a while, they flew the seven forty seven SP from Seattle to Tokyo. Yeah. So. Lots of interesting. Yeah, it's it's stuff. interesting. We'll we'll have to revisit this topic. I, I know we've talked a lot yeah. more about it than we thought we would, but it's yeah. Fr- from from a network planning perspective, it's interesting. Oh, you know, maybe we'll get Jeremy back on because he lives in Seattle, and we could have a whole Seattle episode. Oh yeah, you know, talking yeah, about do that. all the hubs in that station and the, all the crazy flights that flew out of there. Yeah, exactly. And we can talk about the new airport that they're proposing as well. All right. All right well, so uh, we, we spent a lot of time on that, but let's move on to our, our main topics for today. And as you know, Drew and I, we'd like to joke around on the show and we try and keep things lighthearted. But unfortunately, this week's topics are not lighthearted. So we're going to start by addressing the giant elephant in the room, which is the looming layoffs, the massive layoffs for the U.S. based carriers. And unlike other parts of the world, employees at U.S. airlines have been protected so far through federal aid programs. But those are set to expire on October 1st, which is when the CARES funding runs out. It's widely expected that there would be layoffs of some sort at that date, but no one quite knew how bad it would be. We got our first glimpse this week. The topic is best summed up by the headline, which I saw, which said, a gut punch united to lay off 36,000 U.S. employees in October as travel remains depressed. Drew, what are your thoughts? Yeah, it's a horrible situation, Doug. And, you know, we talk about it um, but, you know, people who listen to us every week know that Doug and I are in the thick of it. And it is literally affecting our careers and our lives, what's going on and and the careers and lives of our coworkers. Yeah. So um, it's we, not a happy time. You know, we're trying to stay positive. But in reality, this is a very difficult time that we're going through. And I can see light at the end of the t- tunnel, but that's not before the airlines go through a lot of pain. And to be honest, I don't know 
and we're going to talk about this, but I really don't know when we'll be back to where we were in 2019. Yeah. Yeah. Drew and I both know, I, I mean, Drew know, of course knows a lot of people at a particular airline, but I have a lot of friends who fly for all of the major carriers. And so this impacts everyone. And I, I like to joke about it, but it's kind of true. I, I'm furloughed before I even get a chance to, mm-hmm. to start because I'm, I'm was in the process of transitioning to the commercial carriers when all of all the COVID stuff happened. I'm still mm-hmm. in that process. So it, it's affecting both of us personally. And uh, we, we have a lot of friends who are here. It's a big number. Um, and and we'll, we'll talk about that here in a sec. I've got some stats for you. Yeah, so Doug and I both listened to um, an interview that Ed Bastian had on CNN. Now, I don't know this guy too much and I haven't heard him speak, but I really enjoyed listening to him because it was a very sobering discussion. And he he was very honest that, you know, he was being very real that none of us know where this is going to go. Mm-hmm. So, but, you know, he, he used his best judgment and he, um, there were two parts of the interview that we want to focus on uh, that deal with the recovery. So he was asked about the demand now, the cases are uh, increasing again. He said Delta is very, being very cautious about the schedule and sees a slow rebound. He also was asked about Warren Buffett's comment that available seat miles may never return to 2019 levels. He said there is a very real possibility that they won't. Uh, He also said the industry needs to find the new normal for capacity, exactly the things that we're talking about. So he doesn't know. So you just have to make a judgment call and be cautious. And airlines are going in different directions, Doug. So American has, has a really big schedule, a very ambitious schedule. United seems very cautious. Delta seems kind of in the middle, would you say, as mm-hmm. far as, um, you know, as far as capacity. Yeah. So, um, and we'll talk about this, but, you know, we were all hopeful that by the fourth quarter, we would get to about a 70% uh, capacity from where we are. Mm-hmm. I, I don't know that. I don't know that we will get to 70% at this point because the cases are rising. Yeah. Well, I'm, I'm going to circle back to the, the layoff piece first. So uh, we, we need to explain to, to the listeners kind of what this means in, in, the first place. So the uh, the notices went out to 36,000 US-based employees at United and that's approximately 40 to 45% of the company. United has a 60-day furlough notification, so they have to give the employees 60 days. So this doesn't mean that it's 36,000 that will get furloughed or laid off. The notice just went out because they wanted to as you said Drew earlier cast a wide net and and they have to let that many people know. So October 1st is when the funding runs out. That's when they can start. This was released in early July, which means they, they're in that 60-day window. Delta, I believe, is 90 days. So Delta yeah. informed a lot of people back at the end of June. If the recovery continues, then there won't be this many people. Even if it kind of stalls where it is, it's not mm-hmm. going to be this many people. What I think that this might be trying to do is get some more takers for the early outs early because outs. those those windows close this week at most yeah. of the airlines. Right. And I'm not saying it's trying to scare people, but it is kind of trying to scare people saying, Hey, listen, yeah, if you can take it, if you if can you take can it, take you should it, take it, take it for yourself, number one, but you're also going to be protecting someone who really needs a job right now. Yeah, exactly. Now, a lot of people, I don't know if you saw this true, a lot of people got upset when United made that announcement and they said, well, how can, how can an airline that took $5 billion in, in federal aid be allowed to lay people off? Well, I, I, I have some stats for that. And this industry is not the same as it was in the 2000s. 
the the airlines that went through multiple bankruptcies, Chapter 11 protection, the airlines have gotten a lot better with capacity control, a lot smarter with how they save their money and how they spend their money and how they use their money. Back in the 2000s, that average load factor on these airplanes was in the 60% range. So that means that only 60% of the seats that were occupied were sold to revenue passengers. To put that into perspective, last year, the average was between 80 and 85% in the United States. So the airlines, the airlines have gotten smarter with their capacity, smarter with their revenue management. So it's, it's not necessarily the same airline. They are reliant on revenue. Airlines need revenue to come in to be able to operate. Back yeah. in April, when everything went, went into lockdown and the airlines were at like 95% fewer paying customers than a year earlier, they were burning $100 million of cash a day. That's $3 billion a month, Drew. Mm. So if the airlines don't have the revenue coming in, yeah. it doesn't matter how strong or how weak of an airline you are. You can't sustain $3 billion worth of losses per month. Now, they had to get some sort of bridge to either have the virus decline to the point where, hey, back in October, we're back to relatively close numbers, or... Yeah we can scale down. And the reason they need that amount of time, we talked about the 90 days, the 60 day notification, but also retraining. So from a, a mm -hmm. pilot perspective, they cut from the bottom. That's how the union is organized. So the least senior people are the ones who get cut. Um, most of those people are flying domestic travel. So they're on the Airbus, the 7375, et cetera. Yeah. Those are the flights that are, that are flying right now not the international flights. So you have, the all these, yeah, you have all these really expensive pilots who aren't doing anything right now. Yeah. And as, so like at Delta, when they retire the 777 at the end of the year, you have mm -hmm. 18 airplanes and several hundred pilots that have to get put into a, a new airplane. Yeah. And I talked to a friend who works in the training department and he said that Every 777 captain retirement triggers between 10 and 20 training events because as people change seats and they move up, move left, move right, right. et cetera, and each training event costs about $45,000. That's crazy. So between half a million and a million dollars is what it costs an airline to Transition retrain costs. everyone for every <clears throat> single 777 captain retirement. And their pipeline only has about 1500 training slots a year. Okay. Which means that as you get rid of people, you, you can't, it, it's, it's not like training. You can't up, train them fast enough. To no, it's not people. like, it's not like training up a bunch of grocers at a grocery store where you can throw mm -hmm. them all in a room and give them a PowerPoint presentation. Right. Cause they, they, it's a finite amount of resources with simulators and classroom sessions, et cetera. And yeah. so it, if, the airlines had not gotten the initial round of, of funding from the government. They would have been burning $3 billion a month and they would have had to cut the people 60 days to 90 days from then, but they wouldn't have had the time to retrain. So they wouldn't even have people to be flying these airplanes that are leading to the recovery and carrying essential workers and the mail and yada, yada, yada. So you can kind yeah. of see why that first round was necessary in the first place. Yeah, that's good information. I mean, just from your experience, training to go from a KC-10 to a C-17 or, you know, whatever example, how, how much time does Six that take? Six months. 
Six months. Six months. It's not, it's not like, do it much faster. Yeah. It's not like learning how to drive a new car. And that's what a lot of people think that because you're a pilot, you can fly any, any airplane. Yeah. I, I know at the airlines it's, it's about two to three months because it's, okay. it's wow. a, it's a different, more streamlined program than what we have. But still, I, I mean, it takes two to three months and close to $50,000 to train a new pilot on a different yeah. airframe. That's amazing. So I want to go back real quickly to one of the articles that you mentioned in the, yeah. um, the news briefs. So this was the one where um, pilots were in short supply and now they're losing jobs. And the article was about this 36-year-old pilot who just came into the aviation world in 2018. He was a teacher, mm-hmm. only t- for this to happen. Yeah. And it's amazing. You know, this is a job that people love and how much they invest you know, to work in this field, mm-hmm. $50,000 in, uh, in training. And then you only work, you know, a, a starting express pilot could make like 35,000 a year. So even yeah. once you get there, it just barely pays the bills. So it's so much sacrifice to work, to get that dream job. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it, it's tough. And, and I think we've talked about this, that I think that this is going to hurt the pilot shortage in the long run, in the short term, where there's, well, an people over, will just... there's an oversupply of pilots. But I, I think in the long run, there are going to be people like that, like that teacher who said, yeah. you know what, I've always wanted to fly, but I've seen what the industry is like and I don't want to do it. And yeah. ten, 10 years from now, when we're recovered, uh, hopefully when we're recovered, yeah. I, I think that we're going to be back to a, a shortage. And I, I say 10 years because going to what, what you mentioned about Delta CEO Ed Bastian, he also said that the airline is going to be permanently smaller and he thinks the industry yeah. will be permanently smaller too. But what does permanently mean that to you, does yeah. that mean that we will never be back to 2019 levels? Yeah. Um, permanent. No permanent in the airline mean airline industry means five years. Exactly. It's always yeah. changing. So I, um, I, I pulled some numbers and I think you'll appreciate this Drew. So because it was Ed Bastion, I just looked at Delta, I opened up their books. And in 2010, they flew 232 million available seat miles in that, in that fiscal year. So area yeah. that calendar year, 2010, they had 540 planes. Last mm. year, they flew 275 million ASMs, available seat miles, which is an 18.3% increase. And they had over 1,000 planes. So their ASMs in the entire decade of the 2010s grew... 18.3% and their fleet grew by almost a hundred percent. Wow. And that was coming out, that was coming out of the great recession. So 2008, 2009, big financial downturn, they grew 20%. This, yeah. this downturn is going to be much larger than that. And I think that once companies start hiring again, once people start getting back into jobs and the economy grows, I yeah. think that you're going to see very quickly and, and by that, I mean probably two to three to five years. I think we'll be back to 2019 numbers, personally. Yeah, no, I think so too. Because that's this. these are the conversations we had after September 11th. Oh, it's never going to be the same and it's going to be a hard road. And I think it came back quicker than we thought. So once we have the vaccine, and which I'm very confident we will, things will start picking up. But I think this has spooked a lot of people from traveling internationally, unfortunately. Mm-hmm. So it may be a while before people get comfortable traveling all over the world like we used to. Yeah. And what, what, Delta, Delta is their international schedule going forward. Looks like they'll own they're They're going to be focusing on the international major hubs like yeah. London, Frank, like what they used to do in the nineties. Yeah. 
Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, it'll be really interesting to see. I, I read recently, actually this week, someone was was saying that they think that 2020 is pretty much a wash. So for those who don't know, the schedules are the IATA has a summer and a winter schedule. So it's March, March to September is the summer schedule. And then October to also March is the winter schedule. And usually for international traffic, it pairs down in the winter, not as many international flights. And I I read this week that a lot of people think that international is done for the most part, except for, you know, one flight a day from major city to major city until March of next year, when the Uh when the 2021 summer schedule gets loaded into the system, which I don't know if you saw American announced a bunch of routes for next summer already international routes no i didn't see that yeah they're saying they're going to be at 75 percent of 2019's capacity next summer oh wow that's that's positive yeah yeah if we have a vaccine that's very realistic i think and i think we probably will so i i don't know i you know it might take a year or more to widely spread the vaccine once it's available but so i I was going to ask you why do you think people aren't going to want to travel internationally do you think it's a it's a health fear or do you think it's a I don't want to get stuck somewhere for 14 days fear. No, I mean, when I'm talking about when all those restrictions are, are gone, will yeah. people feel as comfortable traveling internationally? I don't think they will. I, th- I think this, this whole thing was a hit to globalization and I think people are going to stay home more and maybe travel within the U S and, you know, when you think about these things, there's so many places like just me personally that I haven't seen in the U S Mm-hmm. You know, and that, and, and I know we have listeners all over the world, but so I'm talking just as an American here in, in a weird way that may actually help our economy if people stay here and travel within the U S and probably also Europe and um, Asia too, if they stay closer to home, maybe, you know, that necessarily won't hurt their economies. What do you yeah. think? This might help with over tourism as well. A lot of places around the world were really struggling like Venice and, I'm trying to think of some other examples, but I know that over- but that's probably a good, th- you know, it's the Venetians. Good, yeah, are yeah. That's a good thing. Yeah. You don't want a million people in a city that was made for what? 30,000 or yeah. something. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. Machu Picchu, I guess was kind of getting overrun. overrun as well. Yeah. A lot of places like that. So yeah. Yeah. It, it's a reset. It definitely is a, it's a reset for sure. Um, yeah. But those economies, just like you said, you know, those businesses in those countries are going to be hurt because there's yeah. going to be less tourists. Yeah. Things are starting to come back, though. I mean, you, I know you talked about the cases are going up and, and uh, uh, schedule increases are slowing, but clubs are starting to open back up all around oh, the world. Good. So airport lounges. And I didn't tell you this yet. I got a text from Nate from Nate in the air. He is yeah. on an Alaska flight as we speak. Oh, wow. He was okay. texting me. He said he's in premium economy and he had a free beer. So alcohol is coming back on the airplanes as well. Oh, with an actual cart where you can <laughs> choose which one? Mm-hmm. Yeah, when he flew two weeks ago, so he flew up to Seattle to see his son, and he flew his son back home this weekend. Yeah. Two weeks ago, it he didn't have it. Yeah. So just and in the last know, two weeks, that that is the service is slowly starting to come back. Well, yeah, and you know, for those of you that are concerned about traveling, you know, I I don't have anywhere to go right now, so I, I'm I I can wait, but I can tell you uh, where I work, and I'm sure all the other airlines are doing this the planes are so clean now, Doug. So we do, we have a contractor that does the cleaning, but Mm. someone who works for the airline will audit it. So every single plane will have me or one of my supervisors go and audit, you know, we have a checklist. 
Yeah. Yes. So there's another pair of eyes on it, and these planes are spotless. Yeah. And I'm talking every tray table, this, even on the turns, not on just overnighters. Mm -hmm. So I'm hoping, I'm hoping that this is one of the things that stays after uh, this is over, that, you know, there's a new level of cleanliness on the planes. Yeah, I, I think it will. I, I, I really do. My wife and I have talked about this. We talked about our grandparents who grew up in the Great Depression and they hide cash under their bed, which makes no sense to us, but we didn't yeah. grow up in the Great Depression. And so we were saying, well, our kids are going to grow up washing their hands, carrying yeah. a face mask in their pocket that they might put on at a certain situation, you know, yeah. and, and that is this generation's Great Depression That's change. Yeah, if, if you can call it that, that, that this, that the cleanliness and hygiene, which it's unfortunate that we as a society got to a point where it took a global pandemic to say, wash your hands more <laughs> often and not, <laughs> not sneeze without covering your face. But right. I, I, I think that that's going to be a lasting thing. And I've read some things yeah. saying that um, other common illnesses like the flu and the cold may not be as prevalent anymore moving forward. Because yeah. people are so hygienically focused now. Well, can I tell you something? Because you, you haven't gone, been going into an office as much as I do. I still go into the office every, well, just like a regular work week. No, I, I haven't. I'm, I'm back now. Okay, so, okay, let me know if you've noticed this. So, the office is spotless. It's mm -hmm. sprayed twice a week. We always wipe everything down, right? No one in the office has even gotten a cold since this started. Yeah. It's been so clean. I haven't gotten a cold. I haven't gotten a flu or anything like that. So, Keeping the place clean makes a difference. Now, here's a double-edged sword, right? <laughs> if everything's always so clean and no one gets sick, we don't have the opportunity to, to build get immunity, something and something. build immunity. So, yeah. so I don't, well, I don't <laughs> know. My kids, go, my kids go to daycare, so we've had everything under the sun in this house. So I, I feel like I am mm -hmm. uh, walking immunity right now. Oh yeah, you know, I mean, between between me working in the airport and my partner Robbie, who's a school teacher, school teacher. I think we're super. Yeah. yeah, I think we're we're tolerant of everything because we probably come across everything where we work. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right, so that was enough negative discussion. Is there anything? Any other? No, I thought that, I thought that was really good. <laughs> yeah. No, I, hopefully we didn't bore people, but I I thought we had some really good points in there. Yeah, we have to talk about it. I mean, that's what's going on. So, all right, everyone, let's get to uh, an ops discussion now. So this week, we're focusing on something that happened uh, to an unfortunate radome this week. A Delta A319 uh, was in the headlines landing at uh, LaGuardia and uh, had severe damage to its nose flying through hail while on approach to, New York, to the New York metro area. So, Doug, we briefly talked about this. I know you've flown through hail. Tell us about what your experience was. Yeah, it's not fun. Uh, the hill that I flew through was huge, incredibly heavy, and we could not hear ourselves talk in the cockpit. We couldn't hear ourselves talking on ATC. We could barely hear what ATC was saying. And initially, I asked ATC to vector us out of it. And they kept telling us, no, no, you can't go that way. You can't go that way. And eventually, I just did it. And it asked for forgiveness later and they were screaming at me the whole time and i i said you know what i, I said to the crew you know what i don't care i yeah. i will i will fall on the sword later on i need to get us out of here because it was intense i couldn't even hear myself think were you in the left seat i was in the left seat yeah okay. it, was, it was a really really poor situation because we were in a, it, it, we were overseas we were in a really tight airspace where we really couldn't deviate much left or right 
the controllers didn't speak great English. And so there's already all these barriers leading up to this. Yeah. And it wasn't showing up on radar. There, there, there was some, some green, which means like possibly rain. The thing with hail is hail does not reflect or we would call it refractive okay. because it's ice. And so the radar hits the hail and it bounces off and it doesn't come back. Whereas rain or snow, something that's wet is very reflective. And so it comes back to the radar. And so you hmm. see that in weather. So you just class, see rain. You're just seeing yes. rain. So in weather class, we are taught that if there's a line of storms, don't necessarily, and you see red in certain places, red and yellow on the, on the weather radar, that's, that means bad. You don't want to fly yeah. through red and yellow. Well, you see this, this long line of red, and then you see like a little bit of green, don't necessarily think that you can go through that green because that might be hail. That, okay. that the, the intensity of the radar return might actually mean that that is worse, even though it looks better because it's not reflecting the, the hail. So that yeah. very well could be what, what, what happened to, so, to this area. So you're, fly, so you're flying through it and it's inc- incredibly loud where you can barely hear your, the other pilots. Yeah. Is there any turbulence within that? It was severe turbulence. We couldn't, we couldn't hold a thousand feet up or down. We were, okay. we were on a roller coaster. So it's, it's very disorienting for, for us in the cockpit. So I can't imagine if you're sitting in the back, what, what the sound and, and what that felt like, at least, yeah. at least we were in control. You know, it's not like right. we're sitting in the back with someone else flying. And there, there are also situations where you might uh, come up on a line of storms and, you, either you don't see it or there are circumstances where you just have to punch through it. And so you find the, the point of least resistance to just try and get through. And every airplane has procedures for that. So on the, the DC-10, we have speeds that we have to fly for okay. understorm penetration. So do you have to reduce speed? Yeah. Well, you, you reduce or speed up. It just depends on what altitude you're at. So there's mm-hmm. a range of speeds that we have to fly. And based on what you're doing at the time, you may need to speed up or slow down. Yeah. So what, okay. So what do you do? So looking at the radar, could you see like, um, all right, let's turn this way. Cause it looks less yeah. intense. Yeah. So in, in certain parts of the world where they don't get a lot of storms, uh, a lot of the controllers don't actually have weather radar. So if, if you call them and you tell them, Hey, on my scope, I'm showing a thunderstorm. They might say, well, we don't have radar. So we can't tell you you're clear to deviate as necessary up to, however many degrees in the U S they all have radar. So most of the controllers are really good and they tell you, Hey, mm-hmm. large area precipitation, 40 miles off your nose, yeah. deviate, let us know when you're back on course. And it's basically a blanket turn where you need to, to get around that storm. Okay. So in my case, the controllers weren't seeing anything and I kept saying I need to deviate for weather. And they kept saying, no, 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 no. Yeah. And so eventually I was like, okay, well we're coming 20 left for weather and I saw the red, and so I tried to turn away from it. Um, actually, no, here it was just some green, but we could see some lightning out in front of us. And so I tried to turn away from it, and we still ended up getting in the hail. Oh, my goodness. I can't even imagine because, you know, in my job, if it gets stressful, I can just leave for a second and come back, maintain my, you know, get my composure back. It's like, yeah. all right, let's do this. But you don't have a cho- choice. You have mm-hmm. to deal with this right now. In and, a moment, yeah. Yeah. So that's amazing. So after you were saying, after you got through, <laughs> no one spoke for 10 minutes. No, no one spoke, no one spoke until we did the before landing checklist. It was just dead quiet in the cockpit. No one talked. And then we got on the ground and we went and had some crew beers. Were any of your um, 
crew members, were they spooked by that? They were. Yeah, my flight engineer pulled me aside afterwards and said, I didn't think we were going to get through that. He was, a rel- he, was a, he was a relatively new flight engineer. Uh-huh. Uh, only had a couple hundred hours flying yeah. before that. But he Did made you stay a com- with it? Oh, yeah, yeah. And he made a comment to me. He said, you were so composed in the cockpit that that made me feel better about yeah. the situation. Yeah, that's great. And I yeah, said, well, to you. I, I said, well, freaked out. internally, I may not have been composed, but I couldn't let you see that externally because if you had yeah. seen me freaking out, then I, yeah. I lose the crew. Well, that's when you become a robot and it's like, all right, this is what we do. And all emotion is gone because you're so focused on your tasks. So yeah, exactly. And, and I, so going full circle, this is why it takes a couple months to get people spun up on a new airplane because you mm-hmm. have to learn the different systems and learn this, the differences between the airplanes so yeah. that you can be a robot when you get into a situation like that because we go yeah. through it so much in the sim and, and training. So this is another one of those things um, for our listeners I could talk to Doug about for the next half an hour because <laughs> I have so many questions about these situations that he just, he just you just happen to, happen to mention this stuff and I'm like, wait, what happened? <laughs> yeah. So I'm glad we got a chance to talk about that on the show. All right, Doug. So we made it through another week, right? Uh, to our listeners, this podcast is your show. So follow us on Twitter at Next Trip Podcast and let us know what's on your mind so that we can talk about it on the show. Uh, you can also email us at nexttrip.podcast at gmail.com or leave us a review wherever you listen to your podcast. All right, guys. Quick shout out to my buddy Gary who listens to the show. He stoked a Twitter fire this week when he posted a <laughs> photo of his... He just appeared out of nowhere. His C-17 and tried to uh, down talk my beloved KC-10. So we'll have to have him on a future episode and I'll be able to set the record straight with him. Well, yeah, I just want to just mention <laughs> what he was saying. So we were talking about KC-10s and DC-10s and there was a little uh, match <laughs> between these two about which was better, right? So um, Gary, Gary goes... Um, can I just say I hopped on a, a five? So he's talking about a C5 Galaxy, a dash 17, which is the one he flies, C17 Globemaster, right? Yeah. Um, or a 10, which is Doug's KC10. Uh, he said he hopped on these on the way home recently uh, from summer flying camp. The dash five has you beat by far. So I guess he's saying that's smoother, the Galaxy 5. Is that what he's saying? Oh, the C5 is so smooth. Huh. Okay. Yeah. Okay. And it's so quiet, too. So it, I mean, it's like the A38. Well, I've never flown a 380, but. Yeah, the cockpit was just so quiet and because you're so far ahead of the engines. and yeah. Okay. For those of you that are listening, the C5 is a huge plane about the size of a 747 with uh, high wings and four engines. And then Gary goes on to say, but the ride on the Dash 10 is hashtag Gucci <laughs> better than a troop seat. And I'm assuming that means that it's, it's a fancy ride. Yeah, we called it we called the KC ten Gucci. Uh that stems back from the eighties when we when we got the KC tens and it was this brand new DC ten to the Air Force that was nicer than in any of the other airplanes in the fleet. And yeah, we, we've got passenger seats. So as a as a passenger, if you fly on some of these other airplanes, they have seats that like fold down out of the out of the wall. <laughs> yeah. that, that you might it, think of like a a flight attendant jump seat that you see on, on an airplane and they just have yeah. a whole bunch of those. And so you might sit in one of those for 10 hours, but we've got seats like economy class seats with first class pitch, basically. Are there any windows back there? No, there's not. Okay. It can be kind of disorienting when you're, when you're sitting back there, especially when we're doing touch and goes and in the pattern, you, right. you have no idea what's going on. Yeah. 
Oh my goodness. All right. Well, that was a cool discussion with Gary. We got to get him on. Yeah. The show we so we have to have him give on. you some more yeah, trouble. Yeah. He can- Absolutely. All right. Well, thanks to all of our listeners for your support and thanks for joining the conversation. We'll see you next week. In the meantime, stay aviation tough. This has been the Next Trip Podcast. Find us on Twitter at Next Trip Podcast or officerwayfinder.com slash podcast. She's back from a medical issue, so we don't have her go to the regular temperature check. I mm-hmm. drive out and I have a, a thermostat. Is yeah. That what it is? yeah. Thermometer. Thermometer. Yeah. Are you regulating her body temperature? (laughs)